Welcome to the Prodigal and the Priest podcast, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. Is recording? Here are your hosts, Joey Scansella and Father Paul Bechter. <laughs> yes, I am recording. Our folks could hear I, that. I thought I whispered it. Is the video recording as well? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, every once in a while I have trouble with these headphones. It just totally tell. throws me off. I could tell. All right. Um, hey, Prodigal and the Priest, question edition. We answer your burning questions in your hearts, everybody. So let's jump into it. Got some intense ones. Mm. Um, yeah, this. just like yeah, intense. Okay, here we go. Allie asked a while back, she said, just want to get your take a little bit on what's been happening um, on TV and the news lately. Now, this was a little bit ago, and so you could, but this could apply to anything because something okay. is always happen- happening. But True. Um, she talked about there's like a video came to our attention of a pastor who was invoking the name of God to place curses on opposing political party figures. I don't know. What, Did you world? ever hear about no, this? I didn't no, hear about okay. that. But. But then she says, now, my faith is and had always been incredibly important to me. But I have family members who don't have a relationship with the Lord and then look at stuff like this and turn to me and almost seem to question me on things like this. Um, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, what would you advise me when it comes to defending the church, the name of the Lord, others, and to others who are seeing some people use the name of God to do actions like that or that. But I think really what the question is, is sometimes there's people that do things that are not in accord with the church mm. or the Lord. And we as faithful Christians have to answer to that to people who like to rebel against like, well, see, look at what those Christians are doing, right? Like they turn it on you. Yes. And say, you know, Ooh, well, yeah. that that person says they're a Christian, and they just did this really mean thing, or they did this, mm-hmm. and you say you are. I'm doubting you. Yeah. I think that's what Allie's getting at. Mm-hmm. Allie, I apologize if that's totally not misrepresented. Uh, if I totally misrepresented <laughs> you, I'm just hitting it on yeah. a broader uh, yeah, perspective yeah. of saying. I think what she's encountering is saying there is this kind of crazy act of somebody, mm-hmm. and they're saying, yeah, look look at what you guys are trying to do. You're like, yeah. you know, putting curses, trying to put curses on things or things like that, you know? So, um, mm. okay. Yeah. I got some takes. You got some hot takes, Got some hot takes on this. Go for um, it. I got two quick stories. And <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, four yeah. quick stories too. And so uh, about 45 <laughs> minutes. So maybe I'll trim it down to 43. Um, okay. So first of all, yeah, sometimes the church gets put in a position uh, not through her own actions or through the actions of somebody who's going rogue, right? Who's not living the gospel or, or for some reason like not representing what the church should represent. And we have to answer for it. And just it makes me think of uh, Cardinal Ratzinger before he became Pope Benedict um, was in charge of the CDF, the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. And I remember he did an interview one time about... Uh, these like frozen embryos, uh, right? So you know, like, like it's it's not okay. It's not in accord with God's law to like fertilize embryos outside mm. of the the marital act, right? Uh, to do that artificially. Um, but 
once you've got them, it's also not okay to do like surrogate uh, implantation of an embryo. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what is it called? I I something. Um, In vitro fertilization. Yeah. yeah, IVF. IVF. Yeah. Um, like, and so this journalist was asking him, saying like, basically the situation now is that uh, some of these companies have just freezers full of fertilized human embryos that they've conceived artificially Mm -hmm. but have not been brought to term in any mother and you're saying that the church forbids surrogate motherhood in this way Mm -hmm. because it's artificial conception um and that's not in accordance with god's law aren't you being so restrictive what are we supposed to do you're also saying that we can't just pull the plug on those on those uh, freezers full of embryos because that's that's causing the death of these these uh, nascent human lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the reporter's question makes sense. He's saying that like the church has set up this impossible situation now. Um, but Cardinal Ratzinger turned it back on him and said, the church did not create this situation. Right. This is the culture. This is like the culture of death and uh, the culture of pride. Can I call it that? Like technological, Pride thinking that we can be uh, masters even in a way that goes against God's law um, over life and death. Right. Um, and all of this artificial uh, conception stuff. Like, I mean, just to qualify, right, there are ways that we can use technology to um, to aid us in every part of our life, including right. fertility. Right. But we can't do so in, in a way that goes against God's law. And if we create a situation like that that's of our own creation that's not god or his church or anything mm-hmm. and and i thought it was really it doesn't solve the the problem mm-hmm. but i thought he was very justified in kind of getting angry and saying why are you blaming the church for this the church never told you to go against god's law in this way and the church didn't create this situation um so I know it's a different thing we're talking about because we're talking about a minister of the church or at least maybe a Protestant yeah, yeah, yeah. minister, we're not sure, but somebody who's speaking mm-hmm. like as as an authority in Christianity uh, who seems to be misrepresenting the church. But I'd say right. it's, even though it's, it's in this official capacity, it's a similar kind of thing. Maybe it's not a perfect analogy, but yeah, yeah. but there's something similar about the situation. That That's right. one of them. I have another one I want to share about um, like... It, it's it's quite often, um, I wish it were more often, actually, but sometimes people will come back to the church mm-hmm. who have left and will explain why they left, and sometimes they'll give a reason of, a priest said this to me, mm-hmm. um, or I left because of the scandals in general, or I left because I was personally affected in some way, right? Um, or someone I know was personally affected by some way, by the misconduct of a priest in some way. Right. And there's a lot of different things from like having having a Catholic say, you know, like, bless your heart, but since you're not Catholic, you're going to hell or something <laughs> like that. Like saying something like that can turn people away. Right. And there's more nuance to that that needs to be said. But right. um, or just a priest telling somebody that something that they didn't want to hear and them not receiving it well. Um, so. It's. I'd, I'd encountered a lot of this already in seminary, but it wasn't until I became a priest that I started to see 
that sometimes there's there's multiple sides to this. And I had this experience in the hospital one time where I, you know, I'll try and keep it as generic as possible, right. but, um, but where someone had drifted away from the church, uh, had requested an anointing, um, I, like you are allowed to anoint Catholics, even if they're not practicing their faith, right? Uh, as long as they actually want it. But this person didn't seem to want it for themselves. They wanted it because a f- it would please a family member. Right. And that's problematic. That's not enough belief in the sacrament right. for me to be able to give it. And so I said, well, I, I sort of probed a little deeper and was like, well, you know, I really, I just need you to be able to say that you want this for yourself and you believe that God will work through this um, in some way, even if you're not quite with the church on it. Like I can still give you the sacrament, uh, even with just that kind of bare minimum. And I didn't explain it in that way, but that was kind of where I was coming from. Right. Uh, the person said, no, I'm not really sure if I do. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll pray with you for a, mi- a minute if that's okay. And then I'll be around the hospital later uh, during mm. the week because that particular summer I was sort of on call at one of the hospitals in Dallas for, for almost a month mm. uh, just making rounds right? Um, and visiting as a patients priest. as a priest. Uh, I found this person in a different room. Um, a little bit later in the week. So I hadn't heard from them. Um, and a relative of this person was in there. I said, oh, hey, it's it's you. How are you doing? I never heard back from you. Is now a good time to come talk? The relative said, absolutely not. Like, get out of here kind of thing. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I have no idea what happened. Um, and uh, this this relative cornered me by the elevator later and just started to lay into me. Like, really, I, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. But said, like, you know, my my relative who was ill has had all of these problems and has so courageously endured all of these things uh, for so long, and no one has made this person cry except for you and your unpastoral, uh, exclusive men's club or boys, old boys club, whatever it's called, um, uh, church and we're so glad that we left the Catholic Church a long time ago and found you know compassionate uh, Methodist pastor mm-hmm. who would take care of us and and I just I was sort of in shock a little bit because I still wasn't sure like this is not at all the conversation I had with that person before yeah. it ended very well mm-hmm. and they were crying when I left after after praying but it was the kind of tears that come when like God is moving in that moment. I was praying for their healing. Um, and so I'm not sure what happened, but, but basically my, I mean, this, this person railed at me for, for a good several minutes, Mm -hmm. uh, which feels like a long time when you're in that. I just, I didn't really say anything, tried to get a word in and like, I think there's been a misunderstanding Mm -hmm. and then says, is there any way I can, you know, try and clear this up? And, uh, no, I was I was banished from the situation. Yeah. Um, they they told me I need to go learn from the Methodists, and I wanted to say like it, it wasn't the time to joke, but I wanted to be like actually I did my hospital training under the Methodists. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> but uh, that wouldn't have been appropriate. Yeah, yeah, that so, would have that would have gone. <laughs> so uh, you know, I prayed for this person, never saw them again. Told the other chaplain, hey, I was banished from this room. I think this is what's going on. Yeah. Honestly, I think that like they have some other gripe with the church and I just became a symbol of that. 
Yeah. Um, but my experience was completely mischaracterized. Mm. Uh, my words, the conversation we'd had, everything about it. Uh, I had left on very good terms. I was fully expecting to hear back from this person. And something had happened in the meantime where the situation had flipped completely. Um, now, I know that that's, again, that's different than what we're talking. We're talking about a video where, where you know, somebody, this pastor is <laughs> invoking the name of God to, mm-hmm. to curse something. And, and that doesn't, just hearing it doesn't seem appropriate. Yeah. Struggling to find, like, a place where that would be appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I can see maybe some good intention in there, but it still seems like probably an imprudent uh, action, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, to put it mildly. But but my experience in that hospital that one time taught me that, yeah, a lot of priests are jerks, and sometimes priests have a bad day and say something uh, that they wish they could have back. Yeah, That happens, I think, all the time. Other times, they are completely mischaracterized. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's important when we look at these kind of things uh, just to realize that situations are often complex and sometimes people sometimes people hear what they want to hear even if it's not what you're saying mm-hmm. or I guess what they don't want to hear. They're offended, you know, even though you didn't say anything that was bad or even inappropriate for the situation, right? right? It wasn't just like you were speaking hard truths, but you could have spoken them in a very co- compassionate pastoral way yeah. and yet it tweaked their conscience because they knew that something... I don't know. Sometimes people who are feeling guilty can lash out at others mm-hmm. uh, to kind of blame others. It can be sort of a very adolescent reaction on our part mm-hmm. to do that. Right. Um, who knows exactly what was going on in this situation and many others. But it just it just taught me that like people can sometimes come and say, you know, we left the church because a priest said this and that that might not be anywhere close to the whole story. Right. Um, so to bring it back to this yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I got two thoughts. Too. Yeah. Actually, you give your two thoughts while I'm trying to remember what the question was because I straight Well, my so two far. thoughts are, <laughs> I think you're going to, any any of us as Christians are going to encounter two things. One is, we don't like to hear this, but like John 15, 18 says, like, remember when the world hates you, it hated me first. Like we're going to experience like, Hey, they crucified the Messiah. Right. (laughs) Like, and, and we all did as well. Right. And we will live with some of that. Like there's times where you say the right thing, you think you do the right thing and you're going to receive that hate. Um, this other false thing that's attributed to St. Francis, I hate it. But I love the idea of it, even though it wasn't really a St. Francis thing, which is like, you know, preach the gospel at all times, use words when necessary. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I think the scholars all say he didn't really say that. But right. that is a beautiful sentiment that I think in these situations, like you said, sometimes there's no words that will ever make it okay for someone or you can back out or redo or any of those things. Um and I think we're still called in a loving, charitable way to show our actions as Christian people. And what was that, that Gandhi quote? You ever hear that one that was like, I would have been a Christian if I actually met a Christian who 
lived out what they were taught. Uh, something yeah, like something that. Like that. Who knows if that even was a real? Right, it sounds, it's, it's probably gotta, another. Si non è vero è ben trovato. That's yeah. the Italian phrase. If it's not true, then it ought to be. Exactly. Uh, Love it. It's, um, it's so well found. those are kind of my thoughts in it that we're all going to encounter those times and. Um, family is family for life and it's going to be just remember that so don't (laughs) yeah don't say anything you wish you were gonna have to take back and that could damage that even more that sometimes let's let's go avengers sometimes it's about the end game here okay (laughs) i mean there's a truth to that sometimes there is like enduring we're absolutely pain of we're playing the long game yeah like really um um I, some relationships I've mentioned it with my neighbor, Scott, great guy, but I, I really don't think he cares too much about, uh, what God thinks about certain things. And there is an end game there where it's like, okay, Hey, let's have a beer. Let's smoke a cigar. Let's do, right. you know, like let's talk about our lawnmowers and how he, his lawn looks immaculate and my lawn looks not oh, immaculate. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, uh, if I only had a yard keeper, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's all Sorry. I got. Yeah. Anything else before we wrap up? No, that's, I mean, yeah. Ultimately part of this question is what do I do when I don't know what to say? I feel like maybe I should do something or say something. Um, but I don't know how to how to navigate this tricky situation. That happens with prudential decisions all the time. Mm-hmm. There's not always a clear right answer. Right. Um, and uh, when you come and, and ask the, the church for advice, the church can provide principles to act on, but you're the one who has to apply those principles to that situation. And that's, that's a consequence of us being made in the image and likeness of God. It's part of our dignity mm-hmm. that we have that responsibility and that we, you know, we have to make a decision and then, uh, like, accept the consequences, even if they don't go as we want it to. Um, I think Joey's advice about um, not saying anything that you know that you'll regret is is a very good starting point there mm-hmm. uh, for just a, a measure of, of, like, am I saying this in charity? Is now the right time? Do I have sufficient intimacy with this person to, to have this conversation? Um, right. But like when it comes down to it, there may not be a, a clear right answer. And so that's where a life of prayer is very important. Mm-hmm. You may not receive a clear indication of, of an answer in prayer yep. either, but if you are grounded in the Lord, you're praying every day um, and praying for guidance to the Holy Spirit. If you are not doing anything that you know is wrong on purpose, mm-hmm. like God is going to guide you and he's proven it again and again and again throughout salvation history that like he can work with our mistakes. Um, he can take a bad situation and draw a great good out of it. It doesn't yeah. mean that it's not a bad situation. Um, yep. But that he and his, his will are not to be outdone um that he's playing the long game even more than we are so (laughs) yeah when god closes a door he opens a window we should just talk jp too (laughs) 
No, who said that? No. no, it's just like one of those things that my mom had on her Proverbs. wall. You know, <laughs> oh, like you had those up. signs growing up. I oh, think everybody oh, did. Oh, we had those signs. We had footprints. The footprint pr- prayer, like in Jersey, is everywhere, <laughs> even in the non-Catholic homes because you live at the shore. Right. And so it's like, a man walked on the beach. And it's like, everybody. And they have a little <laughs> sand dollar like next to the image. Anyway, we've Amazing. gone about too long on this. Okay, so... um. I'm going to split up. Somebody asked um, two two different questions in this. So um, uh, I'm going to address their first one. This is anonymous. Um, hey, is there a difference between Latin rite and Roman rite? I hear these terms at times, um, but I'm not sure if they're the same or what they specifically mean. Um, this is probably a question that could be answered through Google, but I'd like to hear from you guys. So I just want to first toss off like, yeah, so the term Roman rite can be used in liturgical rites um, by the Catholic Church, but it's far more widespread known as the Latin rite. We're talking yeah. about the Latin rite and then things like the Byzantine rite. Right. But at times we do use things like, oh, in the Roman rite of that liturgy or like this little document here and that. But yes, Latin rite, Byzantine rite. So Latin yeah. rite, all of that is encompassed yeah. in one. Synonymous with Roman rite. Latin Roman means the same thing. Latin right. is a more common thing, uh, way to say it. Isn't it? Isn't that interesting, though, that that is more common than where the Roman Catholic Church? Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I didn't have the band. <laughs> Failed. I don't know. Oh gosh! Just trying to play a drop. Gosh, doesn't know how technology works. I can't even get it on. I'm I'm the worst here. All yes. right, whatever. I was gonna do, man. Gotta I gotta rejoice, know. celebrate the small victories. Celebrate the small victories. This is gonna bother me the rest of the time. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a good question. I think a lot of that stuff can be confusing for people, though. Oh, like yeah. All the sure. rights and that. Yeah. And, and I don't know anything to speak search. on that, on the rights, anything. Uh, not really. It's kind of confusing. Like, you got different, you know, within the Roman rite or the Latin rite, you have two forms, the ordinary and the extraordinary form. Mm, that's uh, a good thing to distinguish yeah. and tell people. So, like, sometimes people will refer to the extraordinary form as the Latin mass, which is a fine way to refer to it. But... The ordinary form is also the Latin Mass. It's just we normally say it in the vernacular. Um, confused yet? <laughs> the yes, the <laughs> the standard. There it is. <laughs> there it Got is. It. Gotcha. Man, I don't know. Uh, the standard edition, or I, I don't know how to call it. It's the editio typica, the typical edition. But mm. uh, the edition that is the foundation of all the other translations of the Missal is in Latin. Yeah. For the ordinary form. Got it. So even though most of the time you go to a Latin mass, a mass in Latin, it's going to be in the extraordinary form. That's just kind of circumstantial. It You can easily, there's full permission, everything. It's mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the baseline language of the church. Yeah, I don't know how to explain okay. it. It is typical. Whatever. Nice. All right, one more. Um, Joey, <laughs> I love, okay. You get ones that are like, Hey, father, Paul, you're amazing. You're spiritual dad. <laughs> this is what I get. Joey baseball is boring. <laughs> I can't believe you love this sport. Prove me wrong. This is what I get. This is awesome. No, I love it. This I want to encourage not, this. 
<laughs> Why just affirm whoever sent that? I want to uh, defirm anybody <laughs> who said that. Um, first off, this is what I say back to whoever doesn't have the courage to also sign their name and mm. submit this question. So mm-hmm. I should toss out this question because maybe they, they don't, don't know have, how. <laughs> it's a Google form. I'm pretty sure they know how. Um, first off, um, I bet I, I'm going to use this analogy. Somebody told me once, baseball is like the game of chess. Chess is a well-thought-out, methodical game. And at times, it can move fast, and at times it goes slow. And you take your time, and you have to dissect your opponent and their moves and different things like that. But most people aren't refined enough to appreciate chess, and they like checkers. Ooh. Do most people like checkers, though? Yes. I think most people find checkers boring, too. <laughs> like kids or adults or what? Like, like yeah, I don't think most adults are like, hey, you want to play a game? <laughs> checkers. Let's get out the checkers. Like, no, they're playing those games like, uh, what are those like? Angry Birds? No, I was thinking that game. It's like Risk. You know, all those people love that game oh, yeah, that yeah. I hate. Settler, oh. Settlers of Catan. Oh, that was so big in the seminary. Gosh. I never played it even yeah, once. No. But it was. Uh, that would be good. That was Kindle like a weekly a fire. Thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's how okay. I feel about it. So right. that's what I would say Just to like baseball. Just like baseball bats would is, be. <laughs> and there are things that I'm sure could speed up the game. But I, I do think there is some there's some purity to the game. And just like you look back at people are like, oh, basketball has changed. All these sports have changed. Nowadays, people will be like, it's not the same from when Jordan played or this or that. I'm like, yeah, it's true. 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 It's yeah. also not the same from when like the first Canadian or whoever was throwing a basketball up into a basket that didn't have the bottom cut out of it. Right. So they Abner, had to get a ladder or something. and Yeah, or Abner Doubleday invented the game of baseball. I'm sure it's evolved a little bit from there. Impressed you know, you know that. Thank you. Not going to fact check you. Uh, yeah, you should fact check me. It's true. So I'll let our listeners do that. <laughs> there you go. So whoever submitted this, that's what I would say is it's the game I love. I love, the th- I love having to think of the scenarios that are going to happen. And that, mm-hmm. was, that was a reason I was a catcher. I loved playing out. If this guy steals, I'm throwing here. This person's going to cut off. I got to be calling. Like, if you're actually playing it, I think it is a very exciting thing. I can understand, though, how it is not similar to football and basketball where there could be an exciting dunk at any moment or a long touchdown run or all these things that you see that are a little bit more few and far between in baseball. But I appreciate it. Like, I love a game that is almost 0-0 until the yeah, ninth inning. Stool. And people are like, when's there going to be a home run? You know, like, that's just, I don't know. It's just how I grew up. And I grew up watching it. But Does it sadden you that it's basically strikeout or home run for a lot of the, the big hitters? That that's eh. kind of where the game has gone? There is some sadness of, I. you know what saddens me is the shift. Mm, yeah. Because that shows how inadequate athletes are at not like being a hitter who can place the ball wherever. And they're so used to just like trying to crank it and pull it that. Yeah. But we've gone over the head of every, no, but but let's, let's go a little further over their heads. (laughs) Okay. Um, Because like, I, I know that there's, 
to make baseball more, bring it back a little bit to where it was, um, and also to, I guess, make it more interesting and have there be more hits or something, uh, there are sometimes movements to ban the shift. But I, I wonder if it's better to let the game sort of like evolve to yeah. counter the shift. Like, like that, yeah. that's kind of like banning the three-pointer right. when it was going to change basketball. Exactly. And instead, no, 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 yeah. you know. I'm I'm right with you that I think like you need to have hitters, hitters learn to hit opposite field. Exactly. And just it might take a while for them to realize that even in the analytics, this is going to be more profitable for them than swinging for the fences. And, but and that right there, I think it ultimately comes back to an act of humility that these athletes aren't humble enough. Because guess what? And if people don't understand what they're doing is if I hit the ball to the left every time, they're shifting everybody to the left and leaving the complete right side open because they're like, he's only hitting it over there. And percentage says he's going to do that. If I was a coach or if I was that athlete, I would humble myself enough to bunt it to the right every time. But see, they're still not willing to do that. They're like, I'm going to swing for the fence and I'm going to hit it over them or any of that. Like athletes aren't humble enough to actually do what is best for the team. And I think that's an aspect of Christianity that, you know, is similar that we say, you know, like we're not humble. We're not humble enough to say this is actually what it takes to, you know, like step out of our comfort zone. It's actually that's actually a pretty big deal. Um, Like I I didn't know where you're going at that point with like the really quick sort of turn out of left field um, (laughs) back to Christianity. (laughs) But uh but like Pope Francis says something um, in, what is it, Evangelii Gaudium? Evangelii Gaudium, yeah. Um, and it's similar to what Paul VI says in your favorite document. Pope Paul VI um, and um, Evangelii Nuziandi. Yeah, but like the basic idea in, in both these things is that is that we are, our, our very nature should be to spread the gospel, should be missionary. And if there's something even structurally that's holding us back from that, it needs to adapt mm. uh, for the sake of that mission. That doesn't mean that everything is relative and that we change the faith or even that we, you know, change right. the liturgy or anything like that. But like if you think about parochial structures and just like what is a normal parish look like, like that needs to change if it's not serving the mission right? Um, in the current context which is our missionary field. And uh, absolutely. If you are pulling line drives to the third base, to the third base, <laughs> to the shortstop who is now back behind the third baseman because he's on such a severe shift. Right. Um, every time, like something needs he's to change. like a middle outfielder. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, on behalf of that, um, <laughs> behalf of that, behalf of that. On behalf of us. <laughs> that was a good question, although I resent the question altogether. Okay, so Which baseball's is, exciting. Makes it an amazing question. <laughs> uh, thanks for those questions. Hey, make sure to submit them through our Gmail, through online, uh, social media, St. Anne Parish slash btp.org, whatever. Yeah, St. Anne slash btp, all those things. I've never Give figured us your this questions. out. All right, Joey Scantella, Father Paul Becker, take care. God bless. Baseball's the best. <laughs>